streaming 24-7. This is Radio Influence. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, we have flipped the calendar to February, and now we are ready for Super Bowl 52. Finally, plus some more college basketball. It is now, as we rock into the first weekend of February, Less than a full month away from the month of March. The best month of them all, as far as I'm concerned. Welcome in. It is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs, whether it be in the NFL with one game left to play the Super Bowl or in college basketball. I am your humble host. He is senior handicapper, writer, analyst, VegasInsider.com, Kevin Rogers. Happy Super Bowl week. The game is finally here. I know you are overjoyed with all the coverage uh, this week as the uh, Patriots and Eagles finally get ready to play Super Bowl 52. Hello, sir. Good morning. Uh, it's, you know, uh, we, we both have gone through this over the years as far as, you know, our affiliations with the NFL and, you know, with radio stations and, you know, the radio row thing, even though we're obviously not there in Minnesota where it's freezing apparently. But, you know what, I understand they have two weeks to, you know, get it pumped up. You know, you can't have just one week, but it's kind of like, let's play the game already. And I understand a lot of people are at that point and we're at Thursday already. So (laughs) people are tired of all the talk, but I feel like there's not even that much. Like, I feel like all the, analysis stopped on Monday. I feel like they're, you know, we're just like creating other things. There's nothing more to talk about. There's no underdogs. There's no, not obviously the Eagles, yeah. the underdog, but they're both one seeds, you know? So it's, it's kind of like get to the game already. I, I don't disagree. I mean, we've got uh, players putting on the underdog masks. We've got Alex Smith getting traded. We've got radio hosts trying to fight each other on radio row and getting ejected from the premises. I'm with you. Can we get the game underway? Uh, by Sunday night, I think we're all going to be frothing for the game. So let me lay out for you that you and I are going to talk more about the Super Bowl in our next segment and about the game and even have some fun with a couple of the different uh, proposition bets that are out there across sports. I always love those, and we'll have fun with that in our next segment, including our analysis and prediction on a possible underdog pick of the Eagles against the Patriots coming up. In the meantime, before we get there, for Three Dog Thursday purposes, my friend, we are rolling again in college basketball. A three-for-three week last week makes us five-for-five in college hoops, documented here to start the college basketball season. We had an unbeaten January, combining the football and basketball picks, an unbeaten January for us on Three Dog Thursday. Just as a general comment, Kevin, I know it may not last forever, but for right now, for the fans that are listening to us, we're giving them good information, good tips on underdogs, are we not? I'll tell you something. I mean, I understand that we minimized, you know, the basketball, that we only did three between us, but still go the when you just said go through the entire month without losing, it's still really <laughs> impressive. And it's not about saying, oh, we're so brilliant because we've, you know, we we've had some bad picks in the past, but you know, to go through a whole month, go twelve and zero. You, know, you had Kentucky in that game. They were yep. they were you know really behind most of the time, and they came back and they beat this West Virginia team. It was totally spiraled out of control of late. But 
you know, regardless, uh, it's just, it really is an amazing feat to, to go 12 and 0 in a month. I mean, you don't see it that often. People say, you know, handicappers say, oh, I hit 80%. And I understand that we're not, we haven't gone 120 and 0 over a year, but, to still have this kind of stretch is very impressive. Yeah, we're doing we're doing well, and again, we're now putting extra added pressure on ourselves. It's almost like a Jenga game where we keep stacking, keep stacking, and eventually one piece comes out in the middle, and the whole thing crashes down. Hopefully, that will not be the case with us. Uh, but just you know, just back to last weekend, you had Colorado. They did not win, but you had them to cover, and you were right. They hung right in with Arizona in the rematch game, getting a lot of points. They covered. I had Texas State, the little known, little paid attention to Sun Belt. I took them as an eight point favorite. I thought they could win that game with Georgia Southern. They did win that game, and I was looking foolish with Kentucky getting blown out in the first half against West Virginia. But, Kevin, here again, I know a thing or two about college basketball. I've worked and been inside the sport for a long time, been at the Final Four for over 15 years, done major college basketball play-by-play. You've done major college basketball play-by-play. So we we pick different situations based on teams and how they play. One thing we know about Bob Huggins' team, uh, year in and year out, whether he was at Cincinnati or West Virginia, they don't have a lot of great scores. They have the same types of hard-nosed, physical, defensive players but if they start to struggle scoring, they seldom have anybody that can pull them out. And that's what happened against Kentucky, did it not? That they had the big lead, but once Kentucky made a move, West Virginia didn't have a scorer to go to. And it has really plagued them throughout the Big 12 conference season as well. I know West Virginia's been in the top 10, but to use your phrase, I don't trust them right now because they don't have enough scorers to do damage in March. Give me a quick thought. Go ahead. Oh, they've been awful. I mean, when you look at it, besides blowing out Texas, they had that close loss at Texas Tech. They lose the Kentucky game. They blow the, the game against Kansas at home. They get blown out, in fact, on Wednesday by Iowa State, yep. I mean, who just got destroyed by Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's a good team, but they just got destroyed by Tennessee in that uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge last week. And, you know, you kind of wonder with West Virginia, you know, is this, you know, it's kind of silly. Is this the right time to be playing poorly and then get it together in the next few weeks? Because you still have some, you know, pretty good teams that Big 12, you know, led by Kansas and Texas Tech, uh, and, you know, and Oklahoma's played well. But, you know, for West Virginia, you know, they better get it together fast because, I mean, they are just losing games left and right. And for Kentucky, you know, you look at them, I'm not going to say it legitimizes the SEC by Kentucky winning when Kentucky is the class of that league, but, Definitely the SEC has made a lot of improvements this year as far as being more competitive because it's always known as a football conference. But when you see what Auburn has done, that they're atop the SEC right now. Florida, even though they've been kind of up and down at times, they're still a pretty quality team. And obviously Kentucky, but uh, you know, still a lot of teams in the middle of the pack there. And I just mentioned Tennessee, who yep. has had a pretty good season with Rick Barnes. That, this, that the SEC is turning into now a better conference when you compare it to the likes of I don't know, like a Pac-12, which I know we talk about a lot on this show, that they've had their struggles, it seems like, this year, that, that you know not a lot of people are high on them. But the SEC is now trying to become a basketball conference. They're doing a pretty good job. Well, yeah, and Alabama is another team pulled that upset with Oklahoma. Of course, Missouri beat Alabama on Wednesday night at the time that we're talking right now. The SEC looks pretty deep. You're right, Auburn looks good. But, to, I mean, to, we joke about this. Two things we know about Bruce Pearl. He's going to get it going at your school, and the NCAA is going to be in the rearview mirror right behind him. So so those are those are always the givens uh, with him. But, yeah, uh, Kentucky got the, the midweek comeback win uh, against Vanderbilt. 
Um, a great job by them and, and uh, to come back and win that game in overtime. So some some craziness that has definitely gone on so far in college basketball. We cannot wait for March. All right, so with all of that buildup, the pressure is now on for Three Dog Thursday purposes, and you and I are going to come right out of the gate on Thursday for those hearing us on Thursday with a couple of underdogs. Where do you want to begin uh, on Three Dog Thursday with college basketball underdog number one? So I get the ball first in overtime in college. Yes. So I score first. Yes, you do. You're not going to get at the 25 yard line like football, but you have possession. Go. And I and I have said to you in the past that I never want to be the first team that goes, but I'll go in this situation. Uh, all right, I'm going to go to the American Athletic Conference, your favorite conference Woo-hoo! in the world, and I'm going to take the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. They're getting three against SMU, and SMU, uh, you know, obviously, you know, they're they're a team that. Had very good years under Larry Brown, and then he retired or resigned or got fired. I, I, I lose track <laughs> of Larry Brown for all these years. I never know what happens with him, how he exits jobs. Right. But uh, anyway, so SMU, they beat Wichita State a few weeks ago on the road. They had a really good win. But they've lost to UConn on the road, and this is not the, this is not your dad's UConn team. This is, I mean, UConn's not as good as they used to be. They have some questionable road losses, and – as a favorite, they've covered twice in American play as 20-plus point favorites against, like, USF, I think, East Carolina, you know, you know the uh, the thumbs of the league. But, you know, as favorites against everyone else, they're not covering. And when you look at Tulsa, Tulsa is coming up with a blowout loss to Wichita State. They lost also at home to Wichita State in a close game. So, you know, that's two good losses. And also... Uh, Tulsa's lost to Cincinnati, who is, you know, obviously, you know, a quality team out of the American, but they've been very competitive at home. I believe they're three and one at home in American play. I'll interject. They beat my, they beat my Memphis Tigers at home back about eight, nine days ago as we're talking right now. So they have, they have a home win recently. Is that a quality win? Well, I mean, look, I'm an, I'm an alum, so I guess I'm biased. So yes, I will say that was a quality win for Tulsa over Memphis. I'll go for it. I'll give you that one, Tubby. I'll give you that one. Yeah. So. I'm going to take, uh, to, to wrap it up, I'll take Tulsa with the points uh, against SMU. I love the name Shake Milton for SMU, and uh, you're right. I mean, they're talented, and uh, we'll see. Uh, you'll take them in the three points on, on a Thursday night game in the American Conference, which, again, is a pretty competitive conference. Cincinnati, a lot of people don't realize Cincinnati has the best start in program history, not Huggins' teams, not Oscar Robertson's teams. Uh, started off at 21-2, and two, so... Uh, Mick Cronin's got them going. They have the midweek win over Houston. Houston is good. You mentioned Wichita State. They are good. SMU, the American Conference, three, maybe four teams in the NCAA tournament. We'll see uh, for American basketball. So you'll, you'll start there. You were banging on the Pac-12 a little bit. I, I know you're looking for the phone number for Bobby Hurley's agent right now because Arizona State got off to a good start this season. They've been floundering a bit, and suddenly the news is out that Hurley has a new five-year contract in the midst of them losing Pac-12 games. I believe they, they've lost something like three of their last five in the Pac-12, and they announce a Bobby Hurley contract extension. So are you trying to get Bobby Hurley's agent to represent you, Kevin Rogers, of VegasInsider.com? Is that, is that going to happen, or are we trying to make that happen? What's going on? 
No, no. Either Brett Bielema or Kevin Sumlin's agent. That's who I want. Those are the guys. <laughs> You're so trying to get buyouts. That's what I want. That, I want yeah, to be oh. fired and be like, here's eleven million dollars to go away. That's yeah, fine. Eleven million to not do anything. Yeah, we need those kind of yeah. jobs. You and I both. Uh, Bobby Hurley Sun Devils Thursday night game at the time that we're talking late night Pac-12. This is an eight Pacific time, eleven Eastern time start in Seattle against a Washington Huskies team that has been pretty good so far this season. Has five Pac-12 wins themselves. Um, Washington in this case getting three and a half points. Uh, they've got Dickerson, a big man, uh, underneath. Uh, Arizona State, an excellent three-point shooting team in the preview mode uh, for this game. But I-, I like Washington in this spot at home here. Arizona State got a couple of big wins um, recently at home. But again, they've been up and down. Washington uh, here in this matchup has won four of their last six games. They beat rival Washington State in their last matchup last weekend. So they've had a little bit of time. Uh, to get ready for this matchup with Arizona State, I'll go Huskies to win the game outright with an up and down Arizona State Sun Devil team right now. I just I don't know what I'm getting from Bobby. Hur- I mean, they won at Kansas earlier this year, but h- how about this? Washington beat Kansas at Kansas City on the quote unquote neutral floor earlier this year too. About four or five days later, so they both have a win over Kansas in Arizona State's case. Uh, as I mentioned, they are 3-3 three and three in their last six games with losses to Oregon, to Stanford at Stanford, and also losing to Utah at home. I'll go Huskies in a Thursday night game over the Arizona State Sun Devils. So I'll go a little Pac-12 basketball for Thursday. And again, I always use this disclaimer. If, you, if you're new to Three Dog Thursday, whether you're hearing us on RadioInfluence.com or you're subscribing now via iTunes or Stitcher, you may be hearing this show later in the weekend because we're talking about college basketball Saturday and then the Super Bowl on Sunday. You, you may already know, again, how smart Kevin was with Tulsa or how stupid I was with Washington. Again, we've been very good as of late. We'll see how we go there. Hey, uh, we're going to go to the Saturday slate. I'm going to take a strong look at Trey Young and Oklahoma against Texas. Give me a thought about Trey Young, who who appears to be right now the college basketball player of the year. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, certainly there are a couple of other candidates uh, right now, Bagley at Duke and, and some others, that would get consideration. Trey Young, though, lighting it up with 40-point games. He's the offense for Oklahoma. What do you think of him? Right now, and the job he's done with the Sooners, how he projects projects to the next level, et cetera. What about Trey Young of Oklahoma? I mean, I don't really know the next level yet, as far as like what he'll be. I mean, is he going to be like a Steph Curry? Is he going to be, you know, because obviously he's not very big. But it, you know, what this reminds me of it. Kind of reminds me of Michael Beasley at Kansas State. I don't mean the body. I just mean like he's putting up incredible numbers, and he'll probably, you know, he could be a high draft pick. Uh, you know, if he comes out. But at the same time, how far is Oklahoma going with him? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think Michael Beasley in Kansas State went to maybe the second round that year. He was by far the college basketball player of the year 10 years ago, whenever it was. But, you know, that's that's kind of the way I look at it, that, you know, as he goes, as Oklahoma go, and, uh, you know, of late, you know, they barely beat Baylor, who's had a down season. They lost in Alabama last Saturday, and, and he's putting up tremendous numbers. They lost to Oklahoma State in overtime. Like, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're – they're either struggling to beat okay teams or losing to teams that probably aren't going to the tournament. So I kind of wonder really how far Oklahoma is going to go. And I know Long Kruger's taken like a hundred teams to the tournament in his career, but uh, I just look at it that I don't really know how far they can go. There'll be a tournament team, 
But, uh, you know, it's still a pretty good story, though, for a guy that's, like, not a huge guy to score 30, 40 points in some of these games and then have 10 or 12 assists. It's still a pretty good story. He's got tremendous range. He can take the ball to the basket. He's like a little mini version of Steph Curry. They're putting the added pressure on him on that. Now, Oklahoma at Texas in the basketball version of the Red River rivalry. This is a Saturday evening game. Longhorns off an emotional overtime loss at Texas Tech, lost on the final play of the game. Uh, when Keenan Evans made a last-second shot, Texas Tech has been tremendous uh, rebounding this season, and they and they beat Texas by two. But I like the Horns coming back home again with Oklahoma. Uh, Trey Young scores a bunch of points, but they are, they are right now um, only three and three in their last three games, and they're only two and four against the number their last six games. So I'm gonna. I, they're gonna be favored at Texas. I'm gonna take Texas to maybe pull the upset here outright at home in Austin. Second week in a row, I will go with an underdog um, at home to win. Or actually, in this case, last week I went with Kentucky on the road as the underdog to win. I'm gonna go Saturday Texas underdog to upset Oklahoma. Hand them another loss. I'll take them as my second underdog in our combined third college basketball underdog. Again, it should be uh, uh, quite the atmosphere at the Irwin Center in Austin. Mohamed Bamba is the big man blocking shots. I like Texas in that matchup. We'll see. National television game on ESPN coming on Saturday night. All right, so there is the college hoops and the underdog predictions. Kevin, stand by. When we get back, we are talking lots of Super Bowl. And the matchup with the Patriots and the Eagles, will either one of us elect to go Eagles on Three Dog Thursday, Super Bowl edition. We've headed into February. Now we're going to go college basketball exclusively into March and the Final Four after this, but Super Bowl 52 talk is straight ahead. When we come back, stay with us. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchups in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. We do come back in one more time before Super Bowl LII, Super Bowl 52 gets played in Minneapolis, Minnesota, coming on Sunday night. Whenever you're hearing the show here, we're in the preview mode on Three Dog Thursday. We've got college basketball predictions that we've already made. We're going to talk Super Bowl in a second again. Our thanks to our friends at RadioInfluence.com. If you're hearing the show through there, you can subscribe to this show as well through iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe, rate the show, rank the show, help us promote it by telling everybody about it through those different outlets by ranking the show and promoting it. And again, uh, we had another outstanding January with tens of thousands of you finding and listening to Three Dog Thursday. I don't know, Kevin, if we continue the unbeaten roll in February, but we're having a lot of fun with the audience, and we're doing well on the underdog picks thus far. We'll see how the college basketball does. You've already uh, prompted me that uh, you know, you're ready for the game to get here, so if you're listening to us on the weekend, the game is almost here. We've been amping up for this. Before we get to the game, real quick, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is going to announce their 2018 class on Saturday night. I think we agree that names like Randy Moss, Ray Lewis, and probably even Brian Urlacher are going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. Where do you come down, Kevin Rogers, VegasInsider.com? Does Terrell Owens get in this year after having been on the ballot the last couple of years? 
He's in a, he's in the top five in three or four all time categories. Definitely prolific receiver in the late nineties and the two thousands. Does T.O. get in Saturday night? Give me a prediction on the Hall of Fame. He should. I don't see why not. I mean, if not, it's because of the personality conflict with the voters. I mean, if you look at what he's done, I mean, granted, he never won a Super Bowl, which I don't really think should matter. But in his only Super Bowl appearance, the guy was coming off a broken leg and still like 10 catches for 120-something yards uh, against the Patriots. So I think that uh, for what he did, and I understand towards the end, you know, with the Bengals and the Bills, it just was just not pretty. But, you know, what we remember of him with the 49ers at the beginning, with the Eagles, with the Cowboys, and what he did, he was very impressive. I mean, he still was one of the top receivers in the league, and he was one of the top personalities in the league. And I don't, I just don't see why he wouldn't be in there. I mean, you have to be, you know, the quiet guy to go in the Hall of Fame and never make any any noise. I mean, you know, I, I just think that it's crazy that he should not be a Hall of Famer. I mean, I, I mean, it's a dumb comparison, but Randy Moss ever won a Super Bowl, right? Right, and and Moss obviously had a great statistical career, but it's comparable to what Owens did all time. Uh, we'll see. Uh, what ends up happening. Uh, it's fascinating. I heard David Baker, who's the president of the Hall of Fame and kind of the ambassador of the Hall of Fame, with this stat uh, early in the week. He said, listen, Lynn Swan was on four Super Bowl winning teams for the Pittsburgh Steelers and was one of the great receivers of the 70s and really into the 80s. And he was on the ballot as a finalist 16 times before he got in on the 17th try. I don't know that it will take T.O. 17 times but he may get passed over again here in the 2018 vote, depending on who else is there. Will Jacksonville's Tony Baselli get in as the left tackle? You know, I'm kind of partial to John Lynch, who's now the GM of the 49ers, the former broadcaster, the former Buccaneer, and Bronco. I'll always remember him as the Buccaneer, obviously, being in the Tampa-St. Pete area. Uh, multi-time pro bowler, one of the hardest-hitting safeties. He doesn't have as many quantifiable interceptions and sacks, but... He was definitely a key to those Buccaneer defenses. He's a finalist. Does he get in? We'll find out the Hall of Fame class on Saturday. So we get to the game now on Sunday, and we'll we'll make a, a little pick for the game. We're also going to have fun with uh, a couple of prop bets for Super Bowl 52, Eagles, Patriots, and some of the other sports that are going on. Is it me, or is this kind of a deja vu thing? I, I have deja vu back to, what is it, 13 years ago now. You referenced T.O. and the Eagles and Donovan McNabb playing against the Patriots of the Super Bowl because the Patriots had the same scenario with both uh, coordinators looking like they were going to take head coach jobs, and they did, Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cronell. Now it's uh, Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia are on their way for head coach jobs. Uh, Tom Brady's obviously the quarterback in both games. Justin Timberlake's the halftime show in both games. That's kind of ironic, although I don't think we'll have any nipple nudity in this year's halftime show. I think that's one of the guarantees. It is kind of wild, the symmetry and uh, and the fact that we almost get a duplicate of the Eagles are back in the Super Bowl and it's the Patriots and a lot of the things are the same. Yeah, I mean, look... uh... Obviously, with Nick Foles in there and not Carson Wentz, you know, changes the dynamic there. I think a lot of people wanted the Brady Wentz Super Bowl had two great quarterbacks in it, like that last year with Brady and Matt Ryan. But at the same time, you know, Wentz tears his ACL, he rips his whole knee, and it's unfortunate that he's not in the game. I mean, Nick Foles is still a serviceable quarterback. I know probably quarterbacks hate hearing that term. Serviceable means that you know you're not elite, but you're still you don't make mistakes and. 
I said this throughout the playoffs with Nick Foles. The Eagles can be successful as long as he doesn't make mistakes. I know that sounds silly. Like, any, you know, any quarterback, you know, doesn't make mistakes, they should be successful. But Tom Brady can afford to throw a pick six and still be fine, where Nick Foles can't really do that. He has to manage the game. And there are a lot of weapons out there around, uh, you know, Nick Foles on the Eagles, you know, with all the running backs they have and the receivers. But I just don't see where they can jump on New England like Atlanta did last year. And I think that the Patriots, they come out, and even though they've had so many close Super Bowl margins through over, you know, throughout the years, and they won last year by their biggest margin ever in a Super Bowl, winning by six in overtime, <laughs> I still think that New England comes out and they uh, they cover and they win this one. Well, and, and I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I believe it'll be a high-scoring game. Um, and, and again, how do you doubt what Brady's been able to do in this big moment when he's been there so many times? A lot of the Eagles have not been. It is interesting that you love these nuggets, Kevin, that LeGarrette Blunt and Chris Long were part of the Patriots' Super Bowl win, that win you, met, you, you uh, referenced, the overtime victory against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, a year ago, and now they have a chance to win a Super Bowl the next year on a new team against their old team. And and Blunt, I mean, people don't remember this. Blunt scored 18 rushing touchdowns a year ago for New England. Do you know how many rushing touchdowns he has for Philadelphia this year going into this Super Bowl, well, including I'll the postseason? You, well, I know as a team in the regular season, Philadelphia had nine rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So it's not a very big number. How about LeGarrette Blunt has three? He has three rushing touchdowns regular season and postseason after having 18 a year ago. Maybe Blunt has a touchdown score. Maybe he has a big day. I can't go against Tom Brady either. I'm not taking the Eagles and the four points here for underdog purposes. I think this will be a high-scoring game. So there are predictions on on the game itself let, let's have fun with a couple of props. There are all kinds of different prop bets that are out there for entertainment purposes only, obviously, on Three Dog Thursday. And a couple of them fascinate both of us. You like one that involves the NBA game with the Oklahoma City Thunder and the L.A. Lakers, and uh, one of the players, and the point total for the Patriots and the Eagles. Explain a little more about what you like crossing over sports here with a Super Bowl prop bet versus a uh, an NBA prop. Well, actually slight correction on it that it's the Patriots and the Eagles minus 14 and a half points versus Victor Oladipo of the Pacers. They're playing Philadelphia on Saturday. Thank you. Points, rebounds, assist. So basically, you know, it's like a team laying 14 and a half, except for in this scenario, it's the Patriots and Eagles, their combined score minus 14 and a half versus Oladipo points, rebounds, and assists. So if you think that the New England-Philadelphia combination is going to cover 14-and-a-half, and you take that. If you think Oladipo is going to have a good game and stay within it, then you take him. I do like Oladipo. He's a guy that is averaging about 24 points a game for the Pacers. Philadelphia is not a great defensive team. And when you get three categories, if you can get even out of him a combined 35, point, 35 points, rebounds, and assists, and you're getting 14-and-a-half, you just hope that this game lands, you know, twenty-four to twenty or so, and you can end up winning it. So I, I like that uh, that chance that hopefully Old Depot has a decent game on Saturday night, and then Sunday it stays within that. Because uh, I don't see this being, you know, a thirty-four thirty-one game with the Eagles and the Patriots. 
See, I have it a little more high scoring, but you don't believe that it's going to be that high. And by the way, uh, Victor Oladipo, his family, his friends, all of his fans, they like the fact that you remembered he got traded to Indiana where he played his college ball, and I did not remember that in the Paul George trade coming to Oklahoma City. So kudos for you. That's why we have you here, uh, Mr. Kevin Rogers, for this uh, for this stuff. So you like that prop bet, and you'll take Oladipo and his Saturday night uh, total. I, I liked a couple more uh, about whether um, the combined score of that Laker-Thunder game that I referenced that's coming if that combined score will be higher than Nick Foles passing yards the Lakers and Thunder uh, scored right around 205 points something like that in their last meeting a couple of weeks ago Foles projected to throw for around 230 240 in terms of yardage I don't know that Foles is going to have a big a big day that day uh, on that NBA prop I liked another prop uh, what about this fun one? The game time temperature. They are playing inside at U.S. Bank Stadium, but the game time temperature around 5.20 local time in Minneapolis expected to be around 9 or 10 degrees. Hello. Single digits. Luckily, they're inside. Will that temperature be higher than the points scored in the first quarter, which will be about uh, you know, probably a touchdown, maybe 10 points, maybe 14 points. What about what about that one? Not that you have to have an opinion on it, but that's that's kind of interesting. The game, the game time temp outside versus the point total in the first quarter, Kevin. Well, I mean, when you consider New England hasn't scored a point in the first quarter in seven Super Bowls, you have to maybe look at the temperature being wow. higher just because of that. And it, it really is amazing how New England has never scored a point Tom Brady has never scored a point wow. in the first quarter of the Super Bowl, which is just unbelievable. But, you you know, do you ride that trend and say it's going to happen again? Or you say, okay, it's going to be a little bit different here. And, you know, maybe you get uh, <laughs> eight or nine degrees outside. You get a 7-3 game after one quarter, and you win that one. How about that? That is a, that is, I love these nuggets from Kevin Rogers, VegasInsider.com. They've won five Super Bowls without scoring a point in the first quarter of them. That's uh that's pretty remarkable. What I will go on the prop bet just for fun real quick, the Golf Waste Management Open on the PGA Tour. Jordan Spieth, uh, arguably uh, one of the two or three best players on the PGA Tour the last five years. Uh, no, he's not Tiger, not Phil, but this is the new generations of golfers. Uh, Spieth expected to make the cut. Now, again, at the time we're talking and taping Three Dog Thursday, he may not make the cut in that raucous environment in uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. If he does, though, his final round score is going to be somewhere around 65, 67. He shot a 67 a year ago in the final round. Uh, three years ago, 2015, which was the last previous time he played the tournament, he shot 65 in the final round. Put that number against Jay Ajayi's rushing yards. Kevin, I don't think Jay Ajayi, the former Dolphin who was traded to the Eagles, I don't think he's going to have a big day running the ball. Uh, his rush total probably going to be, uh, right now, the, the prop is somewhere around 60, 65 yards. I think he's under that. I, I, I would be shocked if he runs for 50 yards in the game. Maybe I'm wrong against New England's run defense. I'll take Jordan Spieth's score to be higher than, than Jay Ajayi's rush yards in that game. Do you have any feeling on whether or not uh, New England is going to slow him down running the ball, or might Ajayi have a big day running the ball for the Eagles to help him out real quick? I mean, the problem with the Eagles is they have so many different running backs to go to that I don't know if you can depend on one guy. And Ajayi, I know he's had a couple big runs for the Eagles, but nothing really consistent where he's had a 20-something carry, 100-yard game. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't trust him. I trust Jordan Spieth in this instance. We'll see what happens uh, with that. All right, we've had a blast making these predictions. Again, both you and I will go with the Patriots and a sixth Super Bowl win for Brady and Belichick. 
and, and this would be a third in four years, back-to-back and a third in four years if they get it. We'll find out if that's the case. We will not go with the Eagles as the underdog. Uh, again, give the fans uh, an opportunity here, whether they're hearing us Thursday, Friday, or even hearing us on the weekend. Lots of information on Super Bowl 52 and everything else on VegasInsider.com, sir. Absolutely. We have all of our advantage pieces coming up. Advantage New England, Advantage Philadelphia, Advantage Over, Advantage Under. And we'll also have all of, um, all the prop listings are on the site as well if you want to reference that going into the weekend. And remember, after Sunday, it doesn't all stop because football's over. Plenty of NBA, plenty of college basketball, and NHL still going on. So, you know, just, just keep up with us for all of that. You can check us out, VegasInsider.com. Find us on Twitter at TwitVI, and we will be your headquarters for the Super Bowl and beyond. And then find this man as well at VI Rogers. He's a great follow. Go check out his Twitter handle at VI Rogers. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Again, we are five for five combined, Kevin and I, here for the college basketball season to start with underdogs. Kevin goes Thursday night, Tulsa, Golden Hurricane against SMU. I will go late night, Pac 12, Washington against Arizona State on Thursday night. You may be listening after Thursday. You may know how those teams already did or didn't do. I've got the Saturday Texas Longhorns. Uh, getting points against Oklahoma as a narrow underdog at home in Austin. The Sooners against the Horns give me Texas. We'll see how we do with the basketball underdogs. We both take the Patriots in Super Bowl 52. Kevin, thanks as always for the insight, the analysis. We finally play one more football game. The big one is here. We'll see what happens with Patriots and Eagles. And we thank you for being with us on Three Dog Thursday, sir. All right, TJ. Thank you very much. Again, go follow him on Twitter at VI Rogers. Find out more at VegasInsider.com. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday, whether you're hearing us on Radio Influence, on iTunes, or on Stitcher. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We're back talking exclusively college hoops from here on out starting next week and making those underdog predictions on Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Philadelphia is better than I thought they were. And Nick Foles is better than I thought he was. Because, you know, that Minnesota defense is a serious defense. They were coming up with some statistics that, you know, you could put them up against some of the best defenses of all time. And they just completely dismantled dismantled them. And what I think is going to be interesting is if Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl as a quarterback, next year they're going to put Carson Wentz back in. That's not going to be an easy situation. If, if Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl, I'm not really sure of his contract situation, but if he wins the Super Bowl, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid anyways. But if Carson Wentz is on this team next year and he's healthy, Nick Foles, if he wins the Super Bowl, is not going to want to be a backup quarterback. That I guarantee. And his agent right now is already talking about that because I, I know his contract's probably intact. But he's not going to sit behind anybody after he wins the Super Bowl. And he shouldn't. So Nick Foles is making a, a, a whole lot of money. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.